Mano a Mano is a retrospective movie show for adults only, educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment. We'll not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Welcome to Mano a Mano, where men can be men. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan Astro. With me is Ricky Allpike and the great Yuri. Gentlemen, how goes it? Ow! <laughs> That's right. Technically, this is part of the spectacular. But, you know, people are like, what the fuck is that? Why, yes. are, you, why are you howling? Why are you we, doing we, that? We didn't time it very well. But yes, this was slated to be part of our spectacular. But who cares? Let's fucking do it anyway. It's a great movie. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's all good. Anyway, we're doing Wolf, 1994. You know, directed by Mark Nichols. Screenplay, Jim Harrison, Wesley Strick. Uh, what, 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 where, where to start? Where do we, where do we start? You guys had seen this before, obviously. I, I saw this at the movies when it came out. That's big. I didn't even see, I didn't see it at the movies. You're uh, movies. No, no, no. I only saw this like... I mean, actually, it'd be good for you years ago now, but it was actually on um, your recommendation, um, <laughs> maybe about ten or so years ago. Yeah, well, yeah, I stand by it. Yeah, I think I, I think we had to somehow sneak into this one because we were underage to see it. But it was only M. You didn't have to sneak in. No, like, it was higher than M, wasn't it? M A, you needed a a, um, a parent or guardian to go in with you, but M, you could just go in. Right, those are the good old. Surely guys. this would have been M A. No, it may didn't exist until um, maybe two years later. Yeah, right. Okay, two or three years later. I followed it closely. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so you know, let's start. Let's start big. Um, I was watching this movie, and there's a, a part in the movie when Will, played by Jack Nicholson, he accidentally grabs Laura. That's Michelle uh, Pfeiffer's titty, right? And um, my wife Katie was was walking through at the time, and then and then she said, "Huh, uh, but she doesn't have any tits." <laughs> of Michelle Pfeiffer, and so I don't know what the message Does is. Does that there. mean if you don't have them, you can grab them? Or I don't well, look. I don't know what the message is, but I like it. So <laughs> it's um, I think that she's that's her fighting feminism in some way. I'm not quite sure how. <laughs> okay. The note I wrote down for that moment was um, he needs to go straight to rape jail. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, no, he's just, isn't he just waiting? Like, isn't it like they've got a backlog? Like, usually like Warren Beatty's up now and then that moment. It doesn't matter whether it's on screen or off either. So, like, just, he's it'll come eventually. They're getting around to it, mm. you know, there's a backlog. They, they, they better get a move on. Isn't Jack Nicholson like a million years old? Yeah, you've got to try and do it when they're really old and like frail. You know, yeah, so you can really sort of take take everything away from them <laughs> until they <laughs> so they can't do anything about it. <laughs> they can't defend themselves. That's that's how you that's how you need to make it happen. I better get back. Was that on purpose? safe. Uh, I'm married. And that makes you perfectly safe? 
Yes. Anyway, uh, look, uh, overall, um, I had a good time. Um, I, I must say, I, I feel like the movie's lost a little bit of shine for me. Um, did you feel this or was it just me? Like, you know, it lost a little bit, but it's still great. It had some great stuff, mm. but there's some stuff that, that I, I don't, I'm not into. Yeah, I think so. It, I, I, I remember it being more excited about it. Mm. With, with m- I, th- I think maybe because I watched it a little bit late, I've always had a little bit of a issue with the tone where it's a, it's a movie that seems to take itself very seriously and it seems very... Like, the cast is stellar. So it seems very well-acted, well-scripted, well-directed, all the rest of it, that, like, it's mature and adult in its pacing and its performances and all the rest of it, but it's about werewolves. So those two things for me always kind of butted heads and I always kind of felt, like, at least for me, it really dropped off at the end when they just, you know, they have to do the full you know, wolf confrontation sort of thing. And, like, I always kind of thought, this just doesn't feel like it should be in this movie for me. A wolf bit me. I don't think so, Will. You weren't there, Will. Not all who are bitten change. There must be something wild within. Sleeping all day. How do you feel? I feel uh, good. It is Mexican Independence Day. I never thought I'd meet a good man who looked at me the way you do. You don't know I'm a good man. Crazy? No. Just marking my territory. You got five new murders. What is there about a full moon? There. Well, you seem pretty helpless now. Right. Well, look, you, you've raised the, uh, our first talking point, which we're, I think we're going to come directly to that. So tone straight after the synopsis. I'll get into the synopsis and we're going to come straight to that point. So hold, hold the phone there. Here we go. On a return trip from Vermont, publishing house editor and chief Will Randall, played by Jack Nicholson, hits a wolf running across the icy roads. He gets out to inspect the rather large beast and is bitten before the animal escapes and rejoins his wolf pack. Will's publishing house is about to be consumed by a rich tycoon, Alden, played by Christopher Plummer, which means Will might be out of a job in the inevitable reshuffle. Uh, He's not fired outright, but is instead offered a nothing job in Eastern Europe, uh, which, considering his age, he's probably going to take. 
The real dagger is that Will's job as editor-in-chief is given to his protege, Stuart Swinton, uh, played by James Spader, who turns out secretly uh, to have hounded Alden uh, day and night until he uh, landed Will's job. Between his unceremonious firing and the wolf bite on his hand, Will, Will is, spent, uh, is spent and sleeps for around 20 hours. He awakens somewhat rejuvenated and whilst putting uh, clothes away, sniffs a scent on his wife's clothes um, uh, and he takes off across town to Stuart's house and discovers that Stuart is stooping his wife. Uh, Will hits it off with the super abrasive Laura, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, the daughter of Alden the rich tycoon uh they're both wounded in different ways and they seem to have a connection despite their nasty sparring will stays for a a, a bite uh, but falls ill and laura puts him to bed in the middle of the night will leaps out of the window seemingly overcome by the spirit of a wolf he stalks a deer and kills it and dines out in the moonlight on its blood he awakens covered in blood and heads to the doctor for a checkup at work uh, will is gaining in strength and vitality he looks fitter has more hair and has improved hearing and sight he, he organizes a coup at the publishing house in which uh, he and the other authors are going to jump ship also rather his stable of authors are going to jump ship which gives alden uh, no choice but to offer will his old job back will's first act is to fire stewart and piss on his shoes after a frightening episode in which will confronts some muggers in a sin central park ripping some fingers off he goes to see an expert in animal possession, Dr. Alizaeus, uh, who gives Will an amulet uh, that will supposedly keep uh, the wolf at bay in exchange for Will uh, biting him and turning him into a wolf. Will refuses, uh, uh, unable to do that, and the doctor lets him keep the amulet anyway. So Will and Laura become closer, with her staying the night at his hotel to keep watch over him. The next morning, the police inform Will that his wife has been murdered, her throat torn out, Laura is starting to consider that Will might be involved, and with him safely stowed in her barn at, the, at uh, her estate, uh, she goes to the police station to report Will uh, for the murder. She runs into Stuart, uh, who is completely changed and clearly now a wolf like Will. Uh, I didn't mention that Will bit him earlier. <laughs> I don't think I mentioned that. Uh, Laura manages to dupe Stuart and escape while he's talking to the police and she races back to the estate making plans for her and Will to to, to um, uh, jet off uh, on a private plane. Stuart tracks Laura and Will down to the, the estate attacking the girl and taunting his fellow wolf now locked behind bars in the barn wearing his anti-wolf medallion. Will rips off the amulet and wolves, uh, the wolves attack each other viciously. Stuart gets the jump on Will and is shot to death by Laura. Will and Laura share a moment before he escapes into the woods before the cops arrived. Uh, Will sheds his clothes and is now a fully-fledged wolf. Laura deals with the cops and we see that she too now has heightened senses. Her yellow-tinted eyes hint at her future transformation into a wolf just like Will. That's the movie. Um, so to the tone, you brought up the tone and you've hit on it. This movie uh, now... I watched a featurette actually, and they talked about this because you get a sense of it. But um, it comes down to the the origins of the of the of the project entirely. So the movie actually was going. Hopefully, this isn't all your trivia, <laughs> but but basically the movie has come out of Jack Nicholson and one of the writers, Jim Harrison, who is like a poet and a novelist, kind of a Hemingway type 
figure. And I think they got drunk at some fucking lodge out in the woods and were like, you know, Jim Harrison was like, oh, you know, got this story about turning into a wolf or what if you turn into a wolf? They're kind of manly men. And um, he gets, Jim Harrison writes this, this script, it's more novelistic, and he sort of gets booted off the project and replaced by Wesley Strick, who has written like Batman Returns and a, and a bunch of Cape Fear and um, stuff like that. And he, Wesley Strick brings in a different sort of, uh, he's not attracted to the, to, the, to the manhood stuff. I just wanted to play you this. I won't do too much of this, but I wanted to play you this because this, this is him talking about the project um, and it explains uh, what I'm talking about. So Wesley Strick, a very talented writer, came in and was very helpful with that, very smart guy. I knew that Jack Nicholson had agreed to star in it as uh, Will Randall, the hero. And I knew that Mike Nichols was directing. Um, and I guess I knew that Doug Wick was the producer. And Amy Pascal, who was the head of production, I guess, at Columbia or Sony, whatever it was called in, in that uh, period, wanted me to come in and, and do the, the next rewrite. Our credit says uh, written by Jim Harrison and Wesley Strick. But we never met. Um, I, I will say, I don't think Jim was happy at all to be replaced by me. I, nobody ever said that to me directly. But it was pretty obvious from what I, the signals that I picked up. And what made matters a little even more complicated uh, on that score was the fact that Jack Nicholson is a very, was a very good friend of Jim Harrison's for many years. I met with Nichols. He was very friendly and just extremely approachable and nice. He seemed happy to, to know that I was uh, amenable to, to working on the, the, the movie. Uh, you know, we talk, I guess we talked generally about it. Um, and I think I said to him, probably at that first meeting, I asked him, Mike, what is it that, you're, that you want from me uh, on this drop? And he said, um, I want you to write me scenes that I can direct. That's exactly what he said. And from that, I took that he had somewhat of the same reaction that I had had to Jim's script. No disrespect to Jim Harrison. The script was very much, I would say, like a novel, um, tabbed and with margins to, to make it look like a script. But it, to me, it didn't really read like one. It was, it was full of sort of interior kind of um, ideas, thoughts, stuff that would be very hard to put up on the screen. Uh, Harrison has a kind of point of view, obviously, about the world and about men in the world. I think his great theme is masculinity and how it is thwarted by civilization and how men sort of are out of touch with their primal selves or their primate selves. And I think having adventures out in the wild are sort of big deals for Jim Harrison. Actually, a lot of the stuff that I never particularly in my own writing uh, got deep into. But it, I thought that it was an interesting uh, way into that. And also, by the way, it wasn't set in Montana, which is where a lot of his work is set, or in the you know, North Pacific Northwest. It, it's set primarily in New York City. And I'm from New York City, so I felt that I had that connection at least, even though, though I'm, I'm not a manly man and I don't write that kind of stuff in general. I I'm not interested in those sort of macho themes. Um, I, f I find them interesting, but they're not sort of my particular obsessions. But it wasn't that hard for me to imagine myself into this world, partly because Jim's story was set in Manhattan, 
So that's where Shrek talking about the story, and I think it's it's uh, hit upon what you were talking about there, Yuri. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, well, it yeah, it, it kind of makes sense now. There's almost like two different trains of thought kind of going on through the movie, and um, yeah, kind of makes me want to want to read the initial script. Actually, I wonder what that you really wonder what that would have been like. Well, it was probably a mess. It was probably a mess, but 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 the but the the the, the annoying thing is, I mean. The, this guy Wesley Strick is is he's obviously a decent writer, but he it's it's really weird because he's in this documentary he even mentions Donald Trump at one right. point, <laughs> which is but he's him and and Mike Nichols the director so director of Graduate Carnal Knowledge and whatnot they are real gra- like New York intellectuals so they probably see themselves as being quite different to each other but to me being a parochial Australian I'm just like wow you guys are the New Yorker magazine come alive, you know what I mean? And so they're kind of like in the nineties, I just would imagine them both being just, yeah, New York intellectuals with with book lined houses and I don't know, talking about highfalutin things all the time. And so we've got that and then and they're both kind of a bit derisive of of the thing that I well, I feel like the thing that attracts us to this movie is is exactly what he's denigrating. So he's saying, oh, yeah, I'm not really into, you know, this idea that civilizations, like, you know, blunted our primal... So, and you go, well, hasn't it? <laughs> hasn't it? Aren't we, aren't we kind I of... I thought pussies? it was also like a, like a bit of an allegory for like a positive midlife crisis almost. It's, it's like Jack's getting his balls back. That's what, the, that's what he's doing in the movie. He's getting his balls back. He's taking his manhood back. That, that's what I yes. like about the movie. It's it's p- pussy to alpha male. Yeah, yeah, you know? and and it's and it, he is actually thinking about it now. At the beginning of the movie, he is kind of like the director and this writer that you're describing. He is like this intellectual, very well educated, career focused man who's a turns out he's a literal cuck. He's getting cuckolded by his his younger protege. And his wife says, "Why do? You, how could you just let Stuart say that to you? Why did you yes. just let him walk away? You know." So, and he's just like, oh, not now. You know, you, you know the, the touch I like that they've done there is that the car he drives is, is a Volvo. And, and that type of Volvo he's driving, I just remember mums had that car when they picked up their kids from school. Every, all the mums had <laughs> really? that car. Yes, all the mums had those Yuri, I thought you would have been a No, 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 he's spot on. It, it was like, it, it, and especially back when Volvos were like these... Yeah, safe that, that's all it was. It's just safe, safe yeah. um, uninspiring, uninteresting, yeah. ugly design, just safe and practical, and that's all they were known for. Um, wow. Yeah, and especially that era. Yeah, no, that spot on. Like that—that's the only reason you'd get it, just to keep your, your soccer team safe. Well, just to highlight Wesley Strick and this other guy, Jim Harrison, the two films that are going on. He he points out that he for him, this is coming out of his mouth in this documentary. Uh, he says that the the moment that typifies uh, the previous script that was left in is the pissing on the shoes, and the, and and the moment that that he that typifies his writing is that line. Uh, not only am I the the president of the hair club for men or whatever that stupid <laughs> line that Jack says, which I which I hate by the way. <laughs> I hate that line. That uh, that was a fucking terrible line. You're fired, Stuart. Don't don't do it to me, Will. It'll ruin me. I know. But it's best for the firm. 
Give me a few months, let me say I quit. Now, it wouldn't be best for the firm. You vindictive son of a bitch. The best thing for the firm is me. I'm the best thing this firm has, and you fucking know it. This is fucking ribbit. Are you crazy? No. I'm just marking my territory, and you got in the way. Not only the president of the hair club for men, I'm also a member. <laughs> it's a terrible line, and he go, he's so proud of it. He goes, yeah, that, that's like my point of view, and that's my humor and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Hmm. Jesus, that's the worst. That's, that's the part I hate the most. That, that, so um, that's a real shame. Like, I feel, I feel it's wishy-washy. Yeah, you know? I've, I've got a quote from the screenwriter, Jim Harrison, um, and he said that um, Mike Nichols, he, he took my wolf and made it into a chihuahua. I cracked up for 10 <laughs> minutes and then went out into the country and stood in front of a wolf den and apologized while my dog hid under the truck. <laughs> 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 and apparently, <laughs> apparently after his experience on this film, he decided to leave Hollywood. Right. Yeah. And not 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 right for not not to to screenwriting anymore. Well, look, he shouldn't take take it so personally. Like I, I feel like, um, you know, the, as I say, we the script was probably a mess, and it, it's one thing. You know, I, I believe that the, that we probably would have liked the, the story he had to tell, but you have to be able to tell it. You have to be able to write it down and communicate it, and say, you know, and and say here's here's my version, mm-hmm. and then you watch it, and you go, oh, it's like Straw Dogs. Wow, cool, I get it. You know, but if you can't write it down, it's like then it's just what a feeling. Mm. Not good enough. Yeah, you were beaten out by these, by these, these, you know, Nancy boys. So, <laughs> so do you think the film would have worked, sort of, without the 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 sort of werewolf battle at the end and stuff? If it was just like it has that werewolf, they added that in. Yeah, but if they if they didn't have that and it was just about the office politics and about him getting his balls back, then that's the movie. That's totally the. Movie. I would have enjoyed this if it was just a straight up drama. And, and but but does he transform at all at the end? If it's just or, or he just sort of has his vitality back from the bite or something? I, I mean, I think I would have enjoyed a movie if there was just no wolf, no wolves in it whatsoever. He he just somehow. Right. <laughs> Do you mean no 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 <laughs> werewolf element where it's just a guy a publisher who gets who gets yes. his mojo back? How does he get his mojo? Well, that's back? the thing. I, either well, I don't know. Just goes through maybe a near death experience or something or. Well, I don't know, maybe that's the yeah, interaction sure. with the wolf. Maybe there's nothing supernatural about it, but it's some sort of near-death experience, some sort of reconnecting. Maybe it flicks a switch back in with the primal self. I mean, you could also make reference to he used to be like this in his youth. Maybe it just reignites something. Or I think I would have enjoyed just a werewolf movie without kind of these, like all these other, like kind of really slow, mature scenes. It's 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 as opposed to a mishmash of both, and and thinking of, like I, I imagine um, this would have been. I think this was the wrong director because the all the dialogue scenes I think are very well done and very nicely done, but the action scenes are kind of shitty. From the director of The Graduate comes <laughs> Wolf. <laughs> From the from the he, he from the director of Carnal Knowledge, and and Working Girl, and you go and you go really and 
he he terrified you in regarding Henry. There was a couple of <laughs> moments in in the final fight where they were, you know, both wolfed out, and and it was like prosthetics, and and they're kind of just biting each other and stuff. There was like a few moments that kind of worked, but overall, it just mm. seemed silly to me. But but isn't James Spader just super cool as this bad werewolf guy? Like he's he's great. He- Oh, come on, he, I mean, he is great, but his, I mean, Jack is an over-the-top performer, but Spader, I know, he's Spader, so over-the-top. Spader is bigger than Ben-Hur. He is, he is absolutely outrageous. He's doing wide eyes, no blinking, yeah. like no blinking in the, third, in the, the last third. Um, he's got way more makeup on. Um, and Rick Baker, the, the makeup guy, explained that he had that awkward moment where he's like, oh, well, Jack's sort of naturally, you know, a bit of a, th- that way, but you're like Eddie Munster, you know, you're, you're, you're just like a you know, pretty boy. I've got to do a bit more, you know. <laughs> so they've, 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 they've done all sorts. But here's my favourite line from him. Help you, sir? Oh, Mr. Swinton. I didn't recognize you. George, I'm here to see Miss Alden, George. Well, I'm afraid I'll have to call. Uh, may I ask your business with Miss Alden, sir? My business is pleasure, George. Does she look like the fuck of the decade or what? Back up. <laughs> My business is pleasure, George. Does she look like the fuck of the decade or what? <laughs> Back up. That is the best line. So... It's it is just such it's the most piggish line in the entire movie. Yes. Where what about but everything? He's got all the best lines. Yeah. Um he's he's wearing a short silk robe after boning your wife. Mm. Like, you know, I mean that, those short silk robes they're Yeah. But else. but even his his slimy sort of Oh, when he's talking to to uh, Jack Nicholson early on, like about how you know the boss called him up and offered him the job, and he's just so slimy, and you know he's just perfect for that for that douchebag role. First, let me say congratulations on being the new editor in chief. I what Alden said that. What did he say? It happened this evening, just before the party. He called me, told me he wanted me to take the job. I said, "Well, Randall's editor in chief." I mean, I didn't, I didn't even know if he was serious. Look, well, I didn't ask for this. I mean, it just landed in my lap. Say the word, I'll turn it down. And he goes, and the moment when he realizes that he's that he's a piece of shit is when he goes. Like, you know, if you want me to resign, if you want me to resign, I'll resign. He goes, I want you to resign today. And then he goes, well, I can't do that. <laughs> and then he pauses and then he goes, oh, why did I yeah. say that? <laughs> Like, horribly, remember, horribly realizes that he's a piece of shit, you know? Uh, but so, his hair is magnificent again. And is that has that been the secret to his success? Not recently. Yeah. No, well, not recently. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, what what has he done as a bald man now? The blacklist. Is that any good? He's a fat man too, by the way. I I don't think it's fair just to call him a bald man. He he's aggressively fat, and 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 you know, come on. No, no. Like, he, there's no he slimmed down a fair bit for that. in the later seasons of the blacklist. I watched that show because his Boston legal 
body was not. No, okay. but I did watch that the the blacklist for a lot longer than I should have, and a lot longer than I should probably admit. <laughs> Six seasons or what? Oh, I, don't, I don't even fucking know. But that, like, I mean, he was still great in it, and um, there was enough other things going on that you, yeah, you could go. And it, it was good to see him like starting to slim down. It's like, oh, you're starting to look. A little bit like yourself again, but anyway. Well, in this movie, he's 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 at the peak because this is Crash mm. era. Yeah, it is. Yeah. In this movie, yeah. where he's just he's beautiful. You know. I mean, he. We should we should ask AJ what she thinks of James Bay. Should yeah, because well, I'm sure it'll come up in Keeper or Creeper when we do Crash. But uh, it, it, you know, I feel like well, actually, all the men in this 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 movie really like Jack Nicholson. And James Spader. I mean, there's no Ryan Gosling in this movie. They're both problematic men. You know what I mean? Like they're men that women, I don't think, admit that they think are hot. What, what about what True. about um, fucking David Schwimmer? Oh, <laughs> as, yeah. a cop, as a cop. Yeah. That's in my trivia. Yeah. No, but that's the thing. This movie, don't you? F- something about this era. It's 1994. It's a big, big budget. I feel like Castle Rock Entertainment's just around the corner. It feels like a sitcom. We've got we've got David mm. Hyde Pierce, yeah, um, in there. We've got David Schwimmer. We've got Alison Janney in 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 a role. But David Schwimmer, he he did he started Friends two months after this, right? Wow. So he he was virtually unknown. Well, I mean, based on the strength of like the one fucking line he had in this movie, he's not a good actor. <laughs> It's like yeah. <laughs> no, he was not good as as the uh, New York City no, cop, was he? He had so little to do, and he <laughs> fucked it up. Put your hands on the cage. Hands on the cage. Spread them. Spread your legs. Spread them. Right, he's clean. What? He's clean. Clean. All right. Put your hands behind your back. Hands behind your back. Hey. See that? You got my cuffs. Oh uh, God. Well, look, I've got to. I've got to. I feel like I want to talk about all the good stuff, but I got. I just got to get all the shitty stuff out of the way. This is just. I mean, more part of stuff. like you, you actually even said part of the like what some of the shittiest stuff for me in in the synopsis. You said anti wolf medallion, and you go, yeah, he, he's kind of that was shit. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's mm. like especially well, well, what, what do you in, mean in this do, movie though? though, like trying to shove it into this movie where the beginning of it is office politics, and yes, you know, yeah. uh, and, and then but yeah, the, then then there's supernatural stuff and anti wolf medallions yeah. and and a wolf fight. Well, well, he go, he he goes to meet that guru guy, um, mm. and Doctor Alizaeus. Yeah, which always makes me Alizaeus, Alizaeus. <laughs> that's what I think of here. But yes, that's why I said it. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a problem w- with that, with that, uh, with that character and that and that scene. Really, like going to see him, like like talking to his colleague, trying to find a book. Who's the most re- you know reputable source on you know animal possessions? And then, but this know. is 1994, like pre Google. Yeah. Like that would have been like his access to that guy and to that database would be. Yeah, Amazing. but like yeah. The, the the fact that they were trying to make it take that scene so seriously and and trying to ground it in as much realism as possible, but essentially he gets given a medallion that stops him from becoming a wolf is you know it's like those two things uh, like it should have been the scene from the from Gremlins, you know these are the rules. It should have been like Hammy if if because 
what actually happens mm. is ridiculous and hammy. So trying to treat it so seriously to me that that that's what doesn't work. I mean, it might for other people. Well, what are the? I don't know what the rules are. I don't know what the rules are with with convention. Like, so, like because you know there is a tradition of of werewolf movies, and you know um, how much do we include? How much do we exclude? Like, are we allowed to do amulets? Are we allowed to do the full moon? Are we allowed to? What are we? What are we allowed to do? What are we not allowed to do? You know, I mean, I I'm not defending the shitty amulet, <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I, I think it would be better if you went to see a priest or something, and the priest thought he was was possessed, or and, and it was a bit more like uh, the Exorcist or something, you know, where in the Exorcist the mum is going to all these medical people, just not knowing, you know, what the hell's wrong with my daughter, trying to find an answer, a medical answer, and then the only thing she can kind of fall back on is is the religious one, you know. Whereas he could have mm. done that too. He could have gone to to doctors and. You know, just not not really, yeah, psychiatrist, not 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 getting any sort of suitable answers, and then going, fuck, maybe I need to talk to you know, talk to a priest. Actually, or I'm surprised there wasn't a shrink in this movie. I mean, they're they're New Yorkers, yeah. Like, oh, you know, I mean, isn't that a gimme? Shouldn't it be a shrink? And maybe Michelle Fiverr should have been the shrink. Yeah, you know, so it's more like The Sopranos or something. Mm. So anyway, the movie's too long. Um, the by maybe 10, 15 minutes. The romantic sub, the romantic plot. I mean, is there chemistry between these two or what? Not really. Not really. Not really. Like, I feel like there's chemistry between Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis in The Fly. Yes. Yeah. I desperately want there to be chemistry between these two. Yes. Yes. But it was a fizzer. Like, they're, they're, they're massive stars. She had just done Catwoman. So, you've got Catwoman there. But then again, I mean, do I, let's go big. Michelle Pfeiffer's overrated. She's hot, but what else? Well, looking back, was she even that hot to make up for her middling talent? Mm. Oh, wow. Mm, that's that's you've, big. You've already... You've just skipped ahead. Mm. Might, that's, you've, you've, you almost don't need to do locker room <laughs> talk after that comment. <laughs> I feel like Thanks that is locker room talk. That's the end of our episode. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, on on the topic of actresses, point, uh, Mia Farrow was actually initially signed on for the role, but uh, was was uh, considered too controversial by the film company uh, due to the then current Woody Allen and Soon Yi affair. So, mm. and also Sharon Stone turned down the role, um, so she was also uh, approached. I don't know who Jack would who Jack sparks with. Yeah, I don't know who. I don't know. He's so, he's so big. I don't. I don't know. All well, the women I picture him with in the work, Shelley Duvall, yeah. and you know Demi Moore, and he's got that moment with her in Few Good Men, or Diane Keaton later on. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know who he's who he who who really gets under his skin in that way. You know. Mm. Um, I think I felt yeah. Anyway, so I don't think we can fix that. That's that's undercooked. Um, unforgivable stuntmen, by the way. Yeah. Unforgivable stunt. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You're I, I think that's part of the wrong director sort of thing. Well, the, the, the scene where he's um, out chasing the deer, it's... it's the Seinfeld yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah. So not only is it a Seinfeld scene, but it's just full shots of clearly not Jack Nicholson. Like, it's just the guy that looks almost nothing... Like, he just looks nothing like Jack. It's just man... <laughs> <laughs> and they've put the same makeup and outfit on him and that's it. They've just gotten some dude. It, it's I do miss that though. I do miss that uh that cuz that that's part of an older Hollywood tradition. Like like uh 
Eight, the bad, that bad ADR that we always go on about in American movies. They don't care. They don't care. Those long shots, they used to not mm. care. Those long shots where the people aren't, their mouths aren't moving, but there's just dialogue over it. They, uh, you know, and this, that's the same. Stunt, ridiculous stuntmen, full shot of them. There they are. But I guess after Jurassic Park, like where, they, you know, they started replacing people's faces, like, you know, um, it's sort of we we can't we can't put up with it anymore. We're like, no, mm. you're gonna have to put the face on them. You can't. We can't just have another a linebacker, yeah. kind of a linebacker guy, always yeah. a linebacker guy, just filling in for, for a teenager you know? or something. Or, or yeah. <laughs> so, although actually, right. you, in, yeah. within the Star Wars universe, you can have that in reverse. So you can have you a can. linebacker take you his can. helmet off, and it's a teenage girl. But anyway, let's let's not yes, go too far yes. down down yeah. that track. Now, I've got a couple of small things. Do you think Jack's glow up after the bo- the bite is too subtle? So, do you notice him getting more hair and all I of that? definitely yeah. notice him getting more hair, but there could be good reason for that. Okay, all right. Because I don't have any fucking hair, so <laughs> I I look fabulous, by the way. Oh, thank you. But you know, I've gone through the process. I know exactly what to look for. When it comes to thinning hair, in that so Costanza way, of, where he's always yeah. he's always going on about it. You know? She was bald, Jerry. Bald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got multiple like notes on like going down the page of. Has he got more hair? <laughs> Wait, is there even more hair? Hang on, no, sh- no, he's got more hair, and then they did the shitty line. It's like at you least they addressed the hair. I yeah. said it wasn't too subtle. Clearly not. You, you've noticed it. But, well, I don't know if other people would notice it. No, look, I, I, I thought it was fairly subtle. But do you think, here's a, here's a bigger question. Do you think he could have gone to the fucking gym? Yes. I mean, I, yeah. they, they, they didn't used to go to the gym back then. They didn't. I know that we are essentially giving statuettes now away to the best junkie of the year. I think that's what Ricky Gervais said, who's the best junkie. But, like, guys who are um, Henry Cavill, two hours away from uh, dying of dehydration. In a movie, you know what I mean? To get them looking um, like that. Hugh Jackman actually passed out during one of his scenes, one of his Wolverine scenes from dehydration after they yelled cut. He was so dehydrated to look so ripped that he just lost consciousness. Well, what what about like um, the Cape Fear remake? You know, doesn't... Well, uh, uh, I was going to bring up um, Raging Bull. Wesley Strick again, Cape Fear. So um, I think De Niro's up for yeah, it. Yeah, De Niro. Yeah, but he's, uh, yeah, but Jack in this movie and the big, I know it was the style, I guess, but these big baggy fucking suits. But even back then, I mean, has a tailored suit ever been out of fashion? Has anyone ever said, oh, geez, oh, oh, I just wish that suit wasn't so tailored? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like with these big fucking suits, he's got big baggy corduroys on and a big yeah. billowy shirt. Yeah, with man. I, I think they should have tightened out. that up as it went along. Like, even if he doesn't, you know, isn't able as a human being to get in the gym, like that, that was very fitter nice. for the role. Like to at least tailor him a little bit more. He had to, a Seinfeld shirt on. Though. That's why it works. Like he's got a big billowy blue shirt. Well, on. I, was, I was gonna because that was very much that mid nineties look where you actually notice it in Seinfeld. Like when it hits that mid nineties point, it, he. Do, his um, clothes don't start that baggy and they get much looser and billy and then they kind of tighten back up again as as we all kind of get past it. But I think it might have been the height of that. If a jacket looked tight, it would have 
at the time seemed ill-fitting. Like it, yes. it was meant to all be tight. But he, but you know, the he needs to be tight. He needs to be getting tight. He can't. He, you can't be the wolf and be be the king of flab. Yeah, looking like you're having a steak and wine at every every meal and a fag, <laughs> a steak of wine and three fags. Yeah, that's a cigarette for Americans, by the way. You know, yes. Just in case you think that I'm swearing, having a fag at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was having. A fag. That's how we talk in Australia, our American audience. We say, oh, "I went down to a restaurant and I had a fag." <laughs> or three, well, you, you said three fags. It's like his... three fags, and then you go all at once, all at once, and I go yes, of course, one after the other, one after the other. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus, that's so good. Oh my god. So, publishing, that it's not as sexy as it as it once was. The publishing industry, <laughs> no, it's gone, Do, man. It's, it's like non-existent. Do you think if it was remade today, where would it be set? Would it be Twitter. like some sort of tech company? <laughs> yeah, you said it. You said it. Twitter. They were talking about Twitter before. Yeah. So, it would be... Because I, mean, I was thinking it would be like Jack Nicholson would play Jack Dorsey and yeah. Spader would be no, like No, it would Marcus be in tech. Bird, and you know? we know too much about what douchebags they are. So, I mean, even this, like, you know, you saw it at the movie. We were kids when this movie came out. I am coming to the horrible realization that the that the the New York liberal intellectuals that I don't like today, uh, I feel like in the nineties, if you were an adult of a think a thinking adult, you probably wouldn't like them either. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just that. It's the same thing in a way. It's, it's, it seems worse now because those guys are still around, um, but we've got the new breed. And the new breed, we've talked about it before, Yuri, how the new breed is Marlo from The Wire. Mm. And, the, and, and Wesley Strick and, and Mike Nichols are uh, Barksdale. Mm. <laughs> they're, they're the original gangsters and they're pretty bad, but Marlo but Marlo's is, worse. He's worse, and it's yeah. doing the sixteen nineteen project, and you know, just talk, you know, getting you to talk about privilege and power and the rest of it. Well, uh, this movie was a big hit. It grossed sixty five million dollars domestically, and sixty six million internationally for a total of one hundred and thirty one million worldwide. Big. So it's big. Yeah, it's a big movie. But somehow, I I would have assumed that it wasn't because no one seems to know about it. I was actually just speaking to someone at work who was like fully into horror movies, and it's like, oh yeah, I'll, yeah, I watched um Wolf from '94 the other day, and she's like, oh, what's that? It's like, oh, you know, werewolf movie, and then I said Jack Nicholson and James Spader, and she's like, what? How do I not know about this? And it's like, yeah, yeah, oh Michelle Pfeiffer's in it too, and Christopher Plummer, and she's like, what? What is this movie? How do I get this movie? And it's, um, yeah, I, I kind of thought it would have flown under the radar a bit more. Or did everyone just quickly forget it? They quickly forgot it because because and the and the and the producer talks about this in the in the doco. I think it's it just falls short of greatness. That's all. Like like it's not. It's got a tonal problem, which we've talked about. Um, the ending isn't in keeping with the first three quarters, really, mm. and. He even goes one step further, the the producer, and this is big of him to say he's like, oh, we hint at at something so interesting at the end of 
Jack sort of becoming the wolf. We shot some version or we came up with some version where he went to a farm and she came to visit him and he was the, but it was like her and the dog, you know, and it was just stupid. Yeah. So, you know, we've, 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 he's like, there's this really great idea there that's like teasingly almost there, but we don't quite get it over the line. And I feel like that's why, that's part of the reason why. Um, I mean, but it's a weird fucking movie as well. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Like, you know, and, and and in the current context, not to skip ahead, totally beyond the pale. Mm. Like, you know, like the idea of if, if you, I mean, how many rage tubers do I watch all the time now? The Their biggest, one of their biggest beefs is that all men in movies are unquestioningly stupid, pathetic, humiliated, or sidelined. And... Mm those things are brought to the fore in this movie it's it's acknowledging those things and saying oh and 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 also acknowledging that women don't like that because not all women yeah. look now women correct me if you can email i don't know email fucking ricky or something and he'll he can tell me but you know <laughs> it, but i don't think women we're with women so that they you know not all women hate all men sit around going, oh, all men are trash, and 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 the people who who write who write the stuff that we read online, this sort of men are trash sort of attitude or whatever. Um, I don't know, like it it it, they're just they're compromised. Like like women, like we like women, they like men, and we like we're interested in each other, and we like there's good and bad stuff, you know, and you know. It, it might be possible that they're attracted to some of the qualities of Jack Nicholson in this movie or whatever, when he's the wolf, mm. you know? Like, so I, I don't know. It's um, it's a tricky one. Mm. What do you think about this this theory here? I've read that this film is about the AIDS epidemic because Michelle Pfeiffer gets turned not by a bite, but by sleeping with Jack. Yeah. I think Mike Nichols was, he was, he said something similar. So it was in Oh, there. really? Yeah. That was part mm-hmm. of it. Because he had lots of, I think, friends who died of AIDS and stuff. So Right. I think that's a pretty long bow to draw. Because, I mean, AIDS makes you stronger, more youthful, more potent. <laughs> you know? It's not, not from what I've seen. I think it's quite, um, you know... Quite the opposite, a, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a debilitating disease <laughs> it like horribly <laughs> ravages your body and and slowly kills you right if, if not treated so it's yeah i mean so how did spader get it then do you know what i mean it's like i don't know seems like mm. he's trying to make it into something like you know trying yeah. to add a layer of meaning to it that's not there or, or maybe just trying to get some sort of kudos for being a, an AIDS ally or something or, or bringing awareness, you know, show, you know, bringing awareness to the topic, to the issue, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, the, uh, the point I was going to say before, I just remembered, the unsayable thing uh, that I think is in this movie is, is this idea of, you know, becoming a wolf and becoming virile. And I think to win, <laughs> now this is a cancelable <laughs> comment, <laughs> But the idea that he wants you so bad he can't control himself. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. like he—that's that's the whole point of being a being a brute and being coming on strong when you're not Harvey Weinstein, of course, and saying you know don't embarrass me in this hotel. Um, 
the idea is that you know you want you want she she feels like oh my god he wants me so bad he can't control himself he's not careful he's not he's not thinking you know he just can't like that's that's um the attraction i think you know i mean and the, the the obviously the downside to that is that it can it could always be used as an excuse like your honor your honor like come on now look, mm. look she was look shaking what she that was wearing ass. yeah she was shaking that <laughs> ass and i couldn't i just couldn't couldn't help myself <laughs> trust me your honor she wanted it <laughs> yes that's right so that's not good but you know within safe boundaries the idea that he wants you so bad he can't control himself i think is I reckon if I did a secret poll, I think a lot of them would say it was hot. I'm going to ask you yeah. later. Well, I mean, a lot of women have rape fantasies. Oh, no. I'm, yeah, I'm, not, saying, I'm not saying all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I won't let my wife listen to this episode, but no. I mean, it's And, well, actually, um, it was just hap- I happened to be listening to this podcast earlier today and they had a neuroscientist on. They were talking about attraction even though it was a comedy podcast. Um, but he said the prov- uh, like the biggest thing is that um, w- women report of being attracted in men that they settle down with is that, that they are kind to them, not necessarily to other people, but kind to them. So if it's this thing of he's a monster and he's, you know, vicious and mean, but he's kind to me, I think Melania. that seems very attractive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and it also, uh, like the like his theory was, it it might also be this thing of if he's horrible to everyone else but you, it makes you feel even more special. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel more more chosen, more picked. And I think you know, I mean, I would find it flattering if there was some woman who couldn't help herself but to try and jump me. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> depends how you know. If I could go, no, sorry, because, no thanks. No, you stop say there, that. But. No, you say that, but it'll end. It'd end up being like the um the witch woman in Conan, yeah. where it's where she's coming on too strong, and yeah. and you and yes. you and you wouldn't be able to get it up. You'd be like, oh, just this is too much. You'd be yeah. like, this is, you'd be like, she's aggressive, <laughs> or it's those strippers who. Not that I've seen them, Ricky, but I see that these there's strippers out there who do really aggressive sort of. That's what they think is hot. They're like, like really, mm. really doing it, and yeah. you're like, all right. That's well, enough. They aggressively try and get you to, to do a private lap dance, yeah. And you go, all right. Actually, wh- <laughs> while I was saying it, I was in my head already starting to wind it back because I remember the one time a woman slapped my ass at a bar and it was not the type of woman that I would have liked to have slapped my ass. So it was like, okay, no, maybe, maybe I wouldn't think it's awesome. Well, mm. that, you've already broken the rules because you just need to – you have to say thank you. You have to say thank you. You're empowered, and I love you. <laughs> Something. <laughs> it's like um, like old school hazing. It's like, thank you, sir. May I have another? Yes, may I have another, please. Yeah. Um, one last little thing from me here. Um, look, becoming a werewolf is nothing. Becoming middle aged is the real nightmare. So this movie, and I saw this when I was a kid. So this scared the bejesus out of me, and that's pretty normal because you know, think about it. Snow White has the horror of aging in it, and um, there's a Ray Bradbury book, Something Wicked This Way Comes, which has got a, a brilliant part of uh, the circus comes to town, and there's a, a Ferris, not Ferris wheel, merry-go-round that if you get on it, like it horribly ages you. 
Uh, so that's mm. been a horror of, of kids for a long time. Uh, and um, and so this movie looms large because I used to watch it and just go, wow, so what happens? You just you, you lose your hair, you can't see, presumably you can't get it up. Like, not that that was mm. a big issue when I saw it, but... Yeah, it your wife looms. fucks James Spader. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's the, the horror of it all, I guess, you know. Now, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't get this movie greenlit now. They'd be like... They'd be like, go cry your white tears, Jack Nicholson. We don't care. <laughs> care about your problems. <laughs> Where is Jack Nicholson? He's retired, man. He's a million years old. Yeah. Because he was a, ba- he was a, f- a f- you know, a, a funny old bad boy. And now he's he's just, yeah, he's... Well, him and there, there's a lot of them that are just like, you never see anymore. Him, Gene Hackman, yeah. never see him. Yeah. Um, Jack, 85. Yes. Like he could run for president. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Very good. <clears throat> now we're going to do something extremely fun. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who is my daddy and what does he do? Time for Who's Your Daddy? Now, um, I think because of a multitude of reasons, not too much to go on, not too much fun to be had with this time around. And, like, I kind of need to mix the... Pro- Usually I'll do pros and cons, but they kind of need to be mixed in it, in there together. Um, so to choose who you'd rather have as your father, first up, Jack Nicholson as William Randall. So he's very well respected in his career. He's obviously very educated, he, uh, very intelligent. He's got great morals. So in the initial scene where his first scene with Michelle Pfeiffer after he does the boob grab... He goes, oh, you, look, you don't need to worry, I'm married. And she's like, oh, like, that means something. He's like, no, yes, it does. And it's like, you know, uh, he, he's having none of that. He's very, you know, sticks to his morals, very upright sort of man. Um, but while he's being this guy, he's getting professionally and personally cuckolded by his protege. So he's getting backstab at work, he's, he's taking his job, and he's banging his wife. Um, by the way, in that scene where she opened the door, I was like, oh, Jesus, okay, that's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Um, and it wasn't Spader's uh, little short gown, although to that the was wife. pretty you, good you too. Liked, you liked um, mm-hmm. Jack's wife? In that scene, yeah. She looked good in that one. Excellent. Yeah. Not, Milf, not so much Milf, when... Milf tear. Yeah, not so much when she was just busting his balls uh, at the beginning of the movie. Um <laughs> But he does get his balls back, like we've mentioned. Like he, you know, after he gets bitten, he gets his confidence back. He gets his hair back. He, you know, um, get gets his aggression back. He starts kind of. He gets his job back. Um, so you know, it, it kind of goes back and forth. But then at, at the very end, he, you know, he turns into a fucking wolf and goes and lives in the forest. Um, so I'm not sure if that's what you want from your dad to eventually go live mm. with a pack of wolves in the forest. Uh, Spader as Stuart Swinton, so he's a uh, young up-and-comer, uh, obviously very driven, uh, making a lot of big career power plays at work, getting a lot of success with it, um, you know, and he, he gets MILFs. If, if, that's, if that's your bag, he, he's, uh, he's in there. He's, uh, he's, um, yeah, his batting average is quite good. Uh, but he's a lying, backstabbing uh, little son of a bitch, uh, very smarmy it turns out. Uh, gets really rapey at the end as well with Michelle Pfeiffer there, and mm. um, ultimately gets uh, beaten by her, the uh, by the older man. Well, he does all sorts of things. I think. He sniffs her. He gets in close, and mm. he really takes yeah. a deep, deep draft. 
Yeah. So, um, and uh, I, I guess the wild card, and I forgot to write down his character name, would be Christopher Plummer. And I think his underlying thing is just really, really rich. Yeah. <sighs> Jeez. It's a tricky one, eh? I know. Just want them both to be my dad. You know, <laughs> can't can't I have a situation where I get two dads? That's a that's a thing. Very twenty twenty two. Yeah, Jack and Spader. Yeah, they'll be fighting constantly and pissing on each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Like, I mean, if if they're gonna like have a disagreement about who should like, you know, if if they've got a parenting style disagreement and you know they're arguing about, oh, it's it mm. should it be my way, should it be this way? I've had to deal with you in a certain situation. They might start pissing on you too to go, no, 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 this is my son. No, this is my son. Mm, so I could picture that. Yeah, I mean. True. It might be a great upbringing. I just imagine it'd be urine soaked. Who who are you choosing, John? Well, look, we can't do Christopher Plummer because his, you know, he's already lost a child um, for whatever reason. I think I think his son killed himself or whatever, and his daughter's on Thorazine or something or whatever. So he hasn't got a good record. His mind games aren't good. The the good digs, good house and everything. So he's out for me. But in terms of Spader and um, in terms of Will and, and the Stuart, it's a tricky one. This movie doesn't give us any hints because it's, it's, it's a childless movie. There's no children in this movie. You know what no, I mean? That's true. Right. And, and that's, that's maybe why these New York intellectuals are pretty tough to take. It's like heaven forbid that they should, like, you know, wouldn't their problems be more interesting and complex if there was a child somewhere? Somewhere. Yeah. Yep. You know? Well, and, and also that, like, part of why I found it, like, because um, Will Randall's character is so different from the beginning to the end. So, and, and even in this sense, it, it kind of makes it hard. So, there's almost like two versions of him that you could choose from. So, would you want the beginning version where he's very, you know, he is very calm, very reasonable. He doesn't allow things that don't truly matter to get to him, but he gets so much in that way that is, you know losing his career and his wife and i mean and and she's busting his his balls as well so i mean i think at that point he'd make he'd probably actually make quite a good dad mm. um to to like a younger mm. kid um but you know at at kind of the cost of his career and his marriage but then after what you know seems to be a a giant extreme mystical version of a midlife crisis he's going to leave your mum and start banging a girl 20 years younger than him. Well, you've sold me. I, yes. I, I am going to go Will because I, yeah, I just feel like, I mean, um, that first half version of him is, I think he'd be there for me. And and look, mm. it doesn't benefit me as the kid to, to, for him to be banging young chicks. And, or, you know, like that's him having a good time. Like, I mean, it's... You'd have to be playing the long game to say, oh, one day, like, you know, I'll be like, Dad. But I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> want him to take me to a ball game. All right? Mm. Yes. I, I think I agree. Like, I, as much as I'd like the the James Spader rug and just dripping in milfs, I think I'd have to go with Will as well. And, hey, we've got uh, at least this time in the if my dad can beat up your dad, we've got proof that Will can beat up Swinton. So, you know. You're both winning there as well. That is true. Yep. Very good. Great. No, I feel, I'm happy with my choice. Uh, you know, um, yep. Will can be my daddy. So. Yep. Nice. Unanimous. All right. So I have some trivia here. So Jack Nicholson, he's actually, he, 
He'd been trying to get this movie made with the screenwriter uh, Jim Harrison for 12 years. They were chipping away at this one. Yeah. They, they just loved the idea, I guess. Um, now, Michelle Pfeiffer, she adopted a baby girl, became engaged, and got married all during the making of this movie. Wow. Uh, Spader's stuntman, uh, he did all of his stunts without wires or protection, almost greatly injuring himself during a scene in which uh, Stuart is thrown onto the stone steps of the guest house. I remember that. Like Rick Baker says that, was that a real he was knocked guy? out. Yes, Rick Baker said that he was knocked out. I thought that yeah. was a spectacular-looking dummy. They they just threw a guy at some fucking stairs. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's horrible. I remember horrible. thinking that was pretty pretty hardcore. Yeah. So he knocked himself out doing that. Uh, the film release was delayed for six uh, up to, up to almost eight months in order to reshoot the pro- the poorly received ending. Now I'm not sure if that's the version where Will's being kept on some secluded property and. You know, no, Laura, it's the Laura fight. Making visits. Oh, it's the fight. It's the it? fight, and so they and, and they say they spent seven hundred thousand dollars, like like with them leaping over stuff in that in that barn and everything. Right. So they had to reshoot that. Yeah, yeah. We'll add that in. Yeah. We'll or add it in. Oh, so there wasn't a fight at the beginning. I don't know what was in its place, but right. they, but they but they've add, they wanted all this leaping. They wanted got leaping. It. <laughs> it was shitty. <laughs> the leaping was some of the shittiest stuff. No, but what, they're obsessed with leaping in this movie, though. That, that, that's they the are. main thing. It's like it's probably the main thing that the wolves do. They don't do much biting. They, they do mainly leaping. In fact, James Spader gets killed while leaping. Yes, yeah. true. Do, do you like it when Jack Nicholson, when he first like he opens the door... That's when he bites Spader, like to to discover their infidelity, and and he sort of runs up the stairs mm. on all fours. Like, that's quite funny. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> shitty, but it's funny. <laughs> no, I like it. It's good. Uh, so I've got uh, two two more pieces of trivia. So John Williams was originally attached to compose the music, but he left the project uh, after the movie was delayed. He also said he needed some time off after winning an Oscar for Schindler's List. He'd also been working on Jurassic Park and overseeing the Boston Pops Orchestra in Boston. Let someone else have a go, I say. So, Ennio Morricone did a great job. With this. What do you think of his score? It's good. Very good. Yeah. What's that piano that he's got? The harpsichord. The harpsichord. Yeah. He's always liked using kind of a few weird, weird instruments, unusual instruments, yeah. Which harpsichord's not an unusual instrument, but to be in a Hollywood movie, it is. In a Hollywood movie, it is, unless it's a period movie. So if it was sort of set in a Baroque era or something, Mm. you know, then it would be appropriate. But yeah, he likes to use it in a more contemporary setting, which is pretty cool. Uh, Now, this movie opened in theaters the same night as the O.J. Simpson Bronco Chase. (laughs) Wow, so it's just Seinfeld era. You know, it is. It is. Like, and all of it, OJ, this movie, it's all in Seinfeld. So it is. You know. All right. That's trivia. That is. All right. It's time for Locker Room Talk. That was Locker Room Talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but it is things that people say. Okay, gentlemen. First thing to notice is that there are no BIPOC uh, people. So no, no BIPOC rep- representation uh, at the publishing house. 
we are forced to watch a rich old white man suffer mild inconveniences, none of which take away his power and privilege. Furthermore, this publishing house looks pretty suspect. I, I, I bet they have, by the looks of it, uh, no staff-run collective of any kind, no yarning rooms, and probably sell hate speech tomes like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life and Dr. Zeus. Um, we don't need to cover it again, but there is an age gap here between Jack and Michelle Pfeiffer of some 21 years. Now, I can't quite articulate why an adult female freely choosing her partner is wrong, but it is when it's an older man, for some reason. It just is. It feels that way in my tum-tum. Perhaps men should be forced to date their age or older in order to redress this disgusting imbalance. If people won't make the right choices, then perhaps they should be forced to make better ones. In fact, we could start right now, uh, you know, some kind of um, sexual reparations. I propose that we all tuck our members betwixt our legs in solidarity with our oppressed sisters. Ricky, you go first. <laughs> all right. Um, the most toxic element uh, of the film comes with the central metaphor, the idea that the wolf spirit unleashes some kind of latent masculinity in the hero. This is truly retrograde and disgusting. After he is bitten, Will becomes more virile and full of appetites. He also becomes more productive and effective at work, achieving staggering results. He also manages to snare a young and hot Laura and have his wife come begging uh, for him to take her back. But where to start? Competence, competition and aggression are not the sorts of things we need to be encouraging. It's 2022. We've all moved on. Most modern problems can be solved by talking about our feelings, engaging in long, passive-aggressive meetings, and, if all else fails, a good session of yarning, which we have the yarning room for. So, masculinity is over, boys. Sip your soy lattes and prepare for the pegging, I say. Furthermore, <laughs> furthermore... The idea that women are somehow attracted to decisive, assertive uh, males, uh, a, a, a driven beast who can pleasure a woman deep into the night, this is the playbook of the rape culture apologist. Women don't want uh, men who roughly take what they want and mark their territory like beasts. No, what women want is soy boys, men with Ukrainian flags and pronouns in their bios, considerate men who lean out of any opportunity or situation if it means upsetting anybody especially uh, minority women who we've, we've already talked about. So uh, the way this movie uses its female characters is disturbing. Firstly, Will has the audacity to say to Laura at one point, you really are beautiful, okay? Women are not ornaments for your enjoyment, Ricky. This, this is ableist, these comments, and it only upsets all the dogs out there, okay? So don't say it. Don't say beautiful. It's not a thing. Also, uh, Will's wife is passed between he and Stuart like a kind of MILF trophy. And uh, most troubling, uh, his wife seems annoyed that he didn't stand up to Stuart, which we've talked about again. She seems to be, um, you know, goading him into some, some kind of action, which is, you know, not, not on. Um, and finally, Will also nails Laura in order to stick it to her father. Uh, I suppose the apex of the piggery comes when Will pisses on Stuart's leg marking his territory, which I think is the symbol of what this movie's all about. And uh, we've already commented on that, uh, the fuck of the decade <laughs> line, which I think speaks <laughs> for itself. <laughs> what, anything else jump out at you? I thought it was at least um, beautiful that they tried to do something a little bit 
positive where they had an older woman with a younger man but then like you said it did turn into this horrible power play where it seemed like she was um you know after she came begging back they just completely ruined it so what could have been a beautiful empowering moment they Mm. completely flushed down the toilet that is true yeah i did have some questions though (laughs) sure I, i don't know what a yarning room is (laughs) <laughs> well, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't, you see. It's uh, just a room where we can go and... Um, knit- knitting, right? Knitting, yeah. We can just do some knitting. That's a thing? I was at a... Me- I, I was at a... Uh, I had to go to a course once. It was an evening course. So I had to squeeze it in and uh, went along. I was just sitting there. It's just a compliance thing we had to do. And the woman next to me picked up a bag and put it on her, on her lap and opened it and took out a ball of yarn and started knitting right next to me. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yes. Oh, is that is that a bone is that a boner killer? Is that oh, a boner killer? A, um, a killer. It's it's boner genocide. <laughs> it's like there are no boners anymore. Once yeah. that's a neutron bomb for boners. Like once yeah. the knitting comes out, it's it's absolute game over. Like yeah, yeah. it was. Um, I mean, she was. And they're like they're like like thirty year old grandmothers, you know. Yeah. No, but it was just like I, I was so affronted like buy it i don't know why like i mean you just it, to me i mean the, the course was boring it was only a few hours i was so annoyed like you know what's the difference like if i just took out a nintendo ds or whatever else people would say oh, what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing that aren't you concentrating on this dumb course but she she got to do her knitting yeah. i hated it i hated the knitting mm. i think a big part of it is also like doing it at like almost making a point to go oh look i'm i don't know quirky and different oh yeah like i like knitting but i'm young and it's like just if you like knitting that's fine just just go home and and knit that's you know i I don't know why i like that i like knitting but i'm young (laughs) (laughs) i mean to me it just speaks of like any anyone who isn't a grandmother that is knitting and it's like you know i like and it's not 1950 yeah they're trying hard to be interesting you know what i mean yes they're trying to go oh society thinks i should be doing x but i'm i'm knitting i'm old you know yeah no uh, i hated it yeah. So, Society anyway. thinks I should be doing OnlyFans right now, but fuck those guys. I'm going to knit. <laughs> yeah, look how quirky I am. So, uh, I don't know. So, how does this rate on our toxic scale? Pretty damn high. Yeah. I think it's full toxic masculine. <laughs> I think it is too, because... And, and, and somehow it's even worse because Wesley Strick has tried somehow to, to you know, inject his, his you know, limp-wristed New Yorker attitude into it and he's failed because it's still offensive. Like, you know, I mean, every, every minute of it is offensive, really. Like, like the idea that masculinity is in crisis, you're not allowed to talk about that, like, mm. at all. Um yeah, passing women around, like nailing young women, you know, mm. it, it, like it's just that marking territory. Um, yeah, just like having mm. being the head of a company, <laughs> like as a man, you know, like, like, like it's just um, all of it is just totally. You know, it, this is not She Hulk, you know, attorney at law, no. uh, which gets passing, passing marks, obviously. So yeah, full toxic masculinity. What's interesting, none of the reviews I've read really address that 
that w- what I think is the most interesting part of the film, and I think you guys agree that that yes, yeah, it's the loss of masculinity or the, or the gaining of you know assertiveness and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote, so long as it stays confined to the level of metaphor as it does in the first hour of Wolf, this idea is irresistible. Uh, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times wrote, Wolf's both, uh, Wolf is both more or less than a traditional werewolf movie, less because it doesn't provide the frankly vulgar thrills and excess some audience members are going to hope for, and more because Nicholson and his director, Mike Nichols, are halfway serious about exploring what might happen if a New York book editor did become a werewolf. Hal Hinson of the Washington Post wrote, in its own delightfully peculiar way, the film is the, is the only one of its kind ever made, a horror film about office politics. The movie isn't wholly great. It starts to unravel just after the midway point. Still, there are charms enough all the way through to make it uh, the most seductive, most enjoyable film of the summer. And finally, Time Out wrote, Quite frankly, it's hard to fathom why exactly anyone would have wanted to make this slick, glossy, but utterly redundant werewolf movie. Overall, uh, this is needlessly polished nonsense. Not awful, just toothless, gutless, and bloodless. Heavy. Surprisingly, I think I agree with Ebert. Yeah, I guess so. I don't think it's as bad as uh, some of these reviews are, are making it out to be. I think there's there's really good stuff in this movie. It's just like you say, the tone is a bit off. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I kind of agree with his more or less thing. So there's like a lot more in it from, you know, the, the serious and dramatic side of things, but there's not kind of as much of that kind of gory kind of fighting stuff. So it's all, it's almost like it's, it's a weird in-between. It, yeah. it, it's maybe trying to please too many people and not pleasing anyone. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they should have gone all in on... on you know, because they they sort of touch on on some of the stuff that we we like, some of the monologues that or the conversations that Jack and Laura have, like out over the water and stuff. They're talking about, I don't know, he's talking about more esoteric things, more intellectual things about about the feelings and all of that and what it all means. And maybe that's maybe that would have been fine, but they never really um they didn't. Instead, they had to get Rick Baker to make latex Jack mm. and you know do all that. The he actually, actually, to def- in his defence, he's in the doco. He's great. He says he goes. Oh, he goes. Actually, you know, because um, he loves Wolfman movies and that. He goes. I-, I-, I think the movie, you know, is actually at its best. You know, long before that ending. He goes. I feel like I like the- all the subtle stuff and. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and that, and um, you know, once they started going for it, it didn't really. You know, and I thought that was really big of him. Only, only a guy at the top of his game, a special effects guy, who who gets it would know what when it's appropriate and when it's not. Mm. You know, so yeah, good on him, I say. But either way, again, a joy to see. You know, the biggest actor in the world at the time in in a handsome movie with good music and interesting weird stuff that doesn't quite add up. Um, better than yeah, a lot of the. Um, a lot of the Disney stuff you you sort of see where you just go, yeah, I guess that all hangs together. And that's well, the end of it. Well, to, to maybe just wind back some of the shit I've been giving this movie. The, the, uh, yeah, the, I, I agree with Rick as well. Like when it was subtle, I actually was fully on board with the supernatural stuff as well. And it was like, you know, when he kind of woke up with blood and 
when you didn't know if he'd actually killed his his wife or not like all that stuff i thought actually i i was on board with all of that and it wasn't until they kind of went all out at the end that it really kind of lost me and maybe just retroactively made me feel the rest of the movie was shittier than it was but there's a, also a bit of doling out of street punishment to the muggers which i think new york mm. needs wolfman jack right now my comment like for that scene all i wrote down was racist with an exclamation mark <laughs> no, i thought you were just gonna write down <laughs> black lives matter you're just gonna say it just black lives matter i should have you know? i should have <laughs> well they do matter but criminals you know who are trying to take your shit that i see on twitter these videos that we need wolfman jack to just to mm. just you know, tear to off rip some their fingers. fingers off yeah, yeah just to tear some fingers off i mean not kill anyone just tear some fingers off mm. um, get that done. Anyway, uh, that's, probably, that's probably it for Wolf. There, I suspect this is, this feels like, is this our, this is our last Mano for the year? Oh, I think it could be, yeah. I think so, because we're going on, on hiatus uh, soon for, still, still have um, shows coming out, uh, but um, yeah, we're just having a tiny little sojourn over Christmas um, and, and back for more rock hard adventures mm. do we do we know what we're doing next year have you got you got anything on the cards for us John? well i've got i do i've got all sorts of stuff that i want to do like um you know i really want to do gene hackman like french connection or in the in the line of fire which which i've been bigging up to you guys uh which mm-hmm. i think we should do pretty soon cliffhanger we talked about doing cliffhanger uh stallone well, I um, thought I thought when you said rock hard movies, I thought you were you were hinting at cliffhanger. <laughs> well, that's that we should. We, I'm I'm down. I, I really want really want to do it. So, and and uh, you know, I want to get a little a little um, international as well. Uh, I don't know. Have, have either of you guys seen? You guys have both seen Hard Boiled and The Killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Well, we, we're going to do. I don't know which one. Maybe because Hard Boiled's more straight action. Whereas the killer's got a bit more, a bit more emotion, so I don't know. I have to think about that. I mean, because it's the last of the year, and I'm guessing I'm cancelled anyway. Which one of those two movies has less hysterical women screaming? Oh, hard boiled. So okay. it's the killer has definitely got more hysterical women screaming in it. So, so my vote is for hard boiled then, because that's the I one thing we- about those movies I cannot stand. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what he's saying. It's 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 a thing. It is a thing. Now we'll do hardboard because I would argue that it's the greatest um, straight action movie of all time. Really, like, like if we're talking about just straight up action, like it's just it doesn't get any better. Like it's it's a true, um, it's a masterpiece, absolute masterpiece. Um, so yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, how does all that sound? Sounds good to me. Sounds good. All right. Um, um, and- I would I would lo- love to throw some Verhoeven in there. Oh, absolutely! Do, right. do you, you want you want to do Robocop? Robocop, any, all all of it. Starship Troopers. And I go, ah, oh, great, Hollow Man. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> excellent, excellent. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, the, I mean Total Recall, but the 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 remake with the with, remake of the yeah movie. yeah with with Colin Farrell and 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 um, unfortunately Brian Cranston. Well, we, well, we're pumped to do to to circle back to Verhoeven because we just did his late cycle recently, and um, mm. it was a joy. 
you know, uh, we did Benedetta, L, and Black Book, and um, yeah, we want to go back and let's, let's just do it. Well, we can do an action cycle. I'm in. I'm in totally. Like, you know, like, yeah, Robocop is just, yeah, easily one of the greatest movies ever made. And um, actually, uh, one of our interviewees, um, Ed West, he said he loved Robocop. So, yeah, very good. Okay. All right, gentlemen, um, that's probably enough, I would have thought. Um, been a great year thanks very much and um just until next time don't don't be a pussy